You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. All right, good morning. I'm super nervous. If I fall on the floor, start doing anything, it's not, I wasn't slain by the Spirit, I actually fainted, so... Call 911. I've been asked to read. Uh, my name is Rudy Vasquez, uh, better known as Nora's husband. She's the secretary here. I've uh, been coming here, well, I first visited when, about 92, when the children's church was actually the church. And then after we were married, I became a member here. So it's been about 17 years, I guess. So anyway, I uh, have the same feeling I had when I was in second grade. My teacher said, can you stand up and read? So here goes. All right, the reading is going to come from Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, and it filled the the whole house where they were sitting. Then it appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and and they began to speak with other tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout Jews, men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because each of them heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are they not all who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear them in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygia, Pamphia, Egypt, and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs were here, no, we hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, saying, they are full of new wine. Thanks, Rudy. If you have the Bible or your scripture here, you're going to want to keep it on Acts chapter 2, those first verses. I want to ask you if you know the Lord, Can you remember when you came to know him? Can you remember who it was that spoke to you and introduced you? My parents took me to church for as long as I can remember. I have some great memories about church and some not so great memories about church. I was in the nursery at First United Methodist Church in Lockhart when one of the nursery workers brought her brand new baby kittens to church. And I was in the nursery playing with them until they all used the restroom all over me. They were crawling on me and everything. I don't remember how all that went. I just remember they took all of my clothes on, off me down to my boxers at four years old. And I thought, well, I don't know what I thought, except that I never wanted to go back to nursery again. I want to tell you, if your parents are in our children's ministry today, they're going to have a much better time than I had that day. But I also remember as a kid going with my friend from First Lockhart Baptist Church to children's camp. 10 years old, and though I had heard the Bible spoken and preached and Sunday school lessons and great people pouring into my life on a Monday in 1980 in the tabernacle where bats were flying around and it was so hot that I'm going to remember it on Monday, 
they tell me it's going to get hot again. A pastor spoke, and he said it in a way where I realized as a 10-year-old, I needed to ask Jesus into my heart. It needed to be a personal decision, not just knowledge that I had. I didn't just need to know about him. I needed to know him. I don't know how you say that to a 10-year-old, but this pastor, Donnie Melton, said it in a way where I knew, hey, I need to go forward and talk to somebody. I walked down the front of that tabernacle at the lake in Austin. I went to the right side. I don't remember who talked to me, but they talked to me about praying and asking Christ into my life. That I could know about Christ, but I needed to know him personally. I needed to give my life to him, and he, needed, he wanted to take my life and give his life to me. Someone communicated with me in a way at 10 years old that I could understand. Do you remember that person that told you about the Lord? Somehow through them, the Lord spoke to you, and it just made sense. The light came on. Might not have been the person. It might have just been the Lord directly, somehow through His Holy Spirit, how He does that. Have you had that experience? Somehow the divine speaks in a way that us as created people can still understand. Well, we want to talk about that today, that connection, that understanding, that being able to communicate what the Lord is doing. And it happened very much so in the scripture that Rudy read in Acts chapter 2. We're beginning a series here at All Generations called Get Connected. It's going to be several weeks. We're going to be talking about connecting to the Lord, connecting to church, connecting to each other, connecting to spiritual disciplines. Connecting to the world. Today we're going to talk about connecting to our community. In this series and in this scripture today, we see in verse 2 that it started with God. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven. Whatever God's doing, it starts with God. We're not going to come up with an idea and then tell God and he's going to be like, yes, I haven't thought of that. Why don't y'all go ahead and do that? It always starts with God. It says in verse 3, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Whatever God is doing, if we'll position ourselves with him, he'll connect it to us. So at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and it settled on the people, the disciples. Look at verse 4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't just an outward connection, but that connection from what started with God connected to the disciples, and then it was inside of them. And so it wasn't just an outside in, but an inside out. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So it started with God, it connected with them, it got inside of them, and then it came out of them. And in verse 6, it says, the people living there could hear them speaking, and so the connection went through the people, the disciples, and then into the community. And then the community got connected to God. What a beautiful circle. Starts with God, goes to his people, gets in his people, goes out to the other people, gets into those people, and then those people are connected to God. We want to get connected. God connects with someone and they're changed from the inside out. And that someone connects to others and others connect to God. There were a lot of someones in my life that helped connect me to God. I want to be a connector and help others. I want to stay connected and I want to help connect others. Now in that process of those things happening, that it starts with God, connects with us, it gets inside of us, it comes out of us and it connects to those around us. It's not always just in that order. You can't sometimes in your life say, oh, I'm on number three right now. 
Sometimes all of those things are happening at the same time. God's connecting with you. More of him's getting inside of you. Some of him's coming out of you. You're connecting with other people. So it's more fluid. But isn't it beautiful to see in the book of Acts and to pray that it's so in our life and in our church that God is connecting with us, that we might know him on the inside and that what we know of him comes out of us and connects to others. It's on the heart of God. And we want to get connected. This is Pentecost Sunday. The church celebrates that. We celebrate it as the birthday of the church, as the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, that which God had promised. And Jesus had told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem. The promise is coming. But even before that day, the birthday of the church, Pentecost meant 50. And it was a Jewish festival called Shabbat, which meant the festival of weeks. And it was 50 days after the Passover festival. So Pentecost is still the same today, 50 days after the Passover, and we celebrate it as the resurrection of Jesus. In Exodus 34, 22, God commanded his people, celebrate the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest. People today in different traditions even give a first fruit offering of their new job, of the first check of the month or the week. Above their tithe, they give an offering called the first fruits. I remember being in Mexico and Someone came to the church there in Burgos, and they brought an offering. They said, this is my first fruit offering. It comes from this celebration, the Festival of Weeks. In Leviticus 26, God tells them how to do it. He says, keep counting until the seventh Sabbath after the Passover. Fifty days later, I want you to present a new grain offering to the Lord. And in verse 17 of Leviticus 23, it says, wherever you live, bring two loaves of bread to be lifted up to the Lord as a special offering. In another version, it says it was a wave offering. They would make two loaves of bread, and these were leavened when they had been unleavened during the Passover. It was after they had harvested their wheat. God told them a special way to make it, and they would hold it up, and they would wave their bread. And their grandma would say, don't play with your food. No, I'm joking. I sometimes think of it. It was a thank offering. It was a first fruit offering. It was an offering of obedience but they lifted it up. Oh, don't you feel that sometimes you're in worship and you're just like, we, we lift our hands just as a way to say, Lord, here I am, or thank you. The raising of their hands is an is a outside expression of internal thanks. The Lord commanded them to do it and they would do that. The first fruit from their crop, they would wave it before the Lord. It's built into us to do that. Anybody have young boys? You're raising them? Don't they say something to you? Hey, mom, look what I did. They bring you that one paper they pass from school to you. So I'm talking about myself right now. Or they say, hey, look what I did, or look at this. We hold that thing up. Sometimes even as adults, we want to post it as a way of showing what we've done. There's something in us that wants to bring that expression to the outside, and they would hold that up to the Lord. It was celebrated every year, but this year in Acts 2, it was a little bit different because the Passover had been with the real Lamb of God, not just the Lamb from their flock. A real lamb had been sacrificed. A perfect lamb had been sacrificed. And Jesus had said it was finished. We don't offer lambs anymore because there was one perfect lamb. And 50 days later, Pentecost comes. And what's never happened before, because Jesus had never been offered before, and he'd never been buried before, and he'd never been raised again before. But now this 50 days later, the Holy Spirit is poured out into a room where about 120 disciples had obeyed Christ and stayed there waiting for what God had promised. We'll talk a little bit more next week about waiting. Pentecost today, it's about God dwelling on the inside of us. It's about the promise and the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. It's about that Spirit being poured out into us. Romans 5 says the love of God poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the church is born. At the end of chapter 2, 3,000 people join the 120 disciples. And they become part of the church. So we need to celebrate Pentecost. And we should celebrate Pentecost. And we should ask for that pouring out into our lives daily, that we be filled and refilled. But today I'd like to focus a little bit differently, something I don't normally think about on Pentecost. I want to think about what happened when they came out of that room. And so number one, let's talk about our community. It's of utmost importance what happened in that room, that the Holy Spirit was poured out, that somehow the Spirit of God can live inside of a person. Somehow you're created in a way that the uncreated God can dwell inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But that was just the beginning. It wasn't the end of what God was doing. What happened in that house where they were gathered was life-changing, and it changed the lives as they came out of that house. Verse 4 said, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. It says what Rudy read, at least 15 people groups were represented there, 15 different languages, 15 different cultures, and you know that inside of a culture, everybody's different too, right? I can go to your house, you've got a few kids, they're not all exactly the same, they have your last name, but this one is this way and that one's that way. My mom had four boys, I'm just going to tell you, we're all just pretty much awesome, but we don't live in the same place anymore, we kind of talk alike, might walk alike, I don't think we look anything alike. But no matter how close you are as a group, there's still some differences. So 15 different groups, 15 different languages, and yet they heard what God was saying in their own language and in their own way. Our community, this community had been brought to them. There were Jews from every, all of those places living in Jerusalem and others that had come for the Feast of Weeks, for Pentecost. And the community was right there. So this is a point I want to make about our community. Our community has been brought to us. Now, I know some of you, you're trying to figure out how to get out of this community. You're trying to make a good amount of money on your house and move a little bit somewhere else and get a little bit more. But until then, you're still part of this community. I know some others of you, you think, well, who's bringing this community to me? I want to stop at the border and tell them to stop. Oh, you're getting controversial now talking about the border. Well, I'm talking right now about the east, north, and west borders that we have. I used to make all the jokes and say, don't. This, my Texas, like don't California, my Texas. I was standing out here one day praying, and I didn't hear the voice of the Lord, but he spoke in that way that I knew it was him. He said, you're trying to stop people from coming that I'm trying to send to help you. They got a reason to be in Lockhart, or I'm trying to send them to you to get help. It was a picture in my mind. Matt, you can't stay at the door and say, welcome to church, and then stand down at the courthouse and say, don't move here. And so I repented, and as you can tell, it's, it's going, but it hasn't fully set into me yet. But there's a community that's been brought to us. The people we live with, they're our community. They were around these people in the house. What God was doing in the house, it came out into the street. God enabled these people to speak the language of those in their community. It was the power of the Spirit inside. It wasn't their own intelligence, their own power. It was the power that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses and you will receive power. And to be my witnesses, the chapter before, he said, wait for the Holy Spirit. He's going to enable you to do what you can't do by yourself. Be my witnesses. They begin to speak the language of the people. It reminds me of Psalm 19. The last verse says in, chapter, in Psalm 19, verse 14, 
David prays, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of God were coming out of their mouth, telling the people about God. Well, the beginning of Psalm 119 says that the heavens are speaking. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, but they speak. Their message has gone throughout the earth. Their words have gone to all the world. I just imagine David on a starry night writing another worship song to the Lord. And he's looking and he says, Lord, the the sky is talking to me about you. The trees are talking to me about you. Creation is talking to me about you. And not just me, it's talking to the whole world. And he ends the song with, let me talk like that. Let the words of my mouth and what I'm thinking be pleasing to you. And that's what was happening in the disciples. God's words were coming into them and out of them, languages they didn't even know. I wonder if we might pray, God, would you enable me by your Holy Spirit to speak the language of my community? And I want to look at it a little bit different way. There's some Spanish-speaking people in our community. There's some English-speaking people in our community. There's some Tex-Mex-speaking people in our community. There's some halfway-can-speak-English people in our community. There are some other languages in our community, but normally you hear English or Spanish spoken. But I wonder if we might ask the Lord, Lord, could you help me speak the language of the hurting? Could you fill me with your Holy Spirit that I could speak the language to the broken? Could you enable me by your Holy Spirit, though I might not relate, that I could speak to the one who feels forgotten? In their language, I might be able to say the good things that God has done in a way they could understand it. Don't you feel like everybody's heard about the Lord? We live in the Bible Belt. We live in Texas. There's tens and tens and tens of churches, even in our own community. Yet there's some people, they haven't heard it in the way they can understand it. What if we prayed, Lord, could you enable me to speak where the lonely could understand? Could you enable me to speak in a way the rejoicing could hear? That it wasn't just the universe that blessed them, but it was you, and that's why they're rejoicing. Could you enable me to speak to the person that's been healed, and they would know that it wasn't just the medicine and just the doctor or just an accident, but it was God who's our healer? Would you enable me to speak to the person who's the life of the party? Not only the forgotten and the lonely one, but the one that everybody talks to but still needs to know you. I wonder if the Lord would enable us to speak the language of the single mom the overworked dad, the language of the youth, the language of the widow, the language of the young married person, of the single person, of the divorced person. I wonder if we could speak in a way by the power of the Holy Spirit that though someone said Jesus loves you to that person so many times, they finally get it because it came out of our mouth in a way that only God could speak to their heart. Maybe they speak the same language as far as English or Spanish, but maybe their heart speaks a different language because of their life experience. I wonder if we could pray and ask the Lord if he would help us speak the language of the one who can't have kids or the one who has so many kids they don't know what to do. The language of the cancer patient or the one who's sick and there is no cure or the one who keeps getting sick with small things and they fix that, but then the next small thing comes. I wonder if we could speak the language of the one who is helpless or hopeless. 1 Corinthians, Paul said it this way. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people that I could bring them to Christ. 
1 Corinthians 9, 20. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew so I could bring Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I was with the Gentiles, they don't follow the Jewish law. So I lived apart from the Jewish law so that I could bring them to Christ. I didn't ignore the law of God. I always obey the law of Christ. When I was with those who were weak, I shared their weakness. When I wanted to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. Paul, full of the Holy Spirit. When he walked into a community, he would figure out how they lived and he would live like them that he might point them to Christ. I wonder, without the Holy Spirit, if we sometimes do it the opposite way. We only go to the people that we're like and only to the people that make sense to us and all the, only the people we can communicate with and to think like us and speak like us. And so we create what they call these groups or these, these tribes And Paul said it the opposite way. I don't have to be a slave to anybody. I'm free, but I submit myself to everybody so that somebody might come to know the Lord. And the apostles, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In a language they couldn't speak, they spoke. And the Lord is wanting to speak through us. Paul said it like this, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I want to ask you, are you connected to your community? Am I connected to my community? Or am I trying to get rid of my community and get out of my community? Am I willing to be empowered by God's love that I might save someone in my community? Or do I think my community needs to change before they can even get too close around me? Here's a problem. It's a serious problem and you've got to wrestle with it. God says don't love the world or anything in the world. If you have the love of the world in your heart, you don't have the love of God in your heart. But then in another scripture says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. The problem is the world in that has two definitions. The world that God loved was the people of the world, the families of the world, the people groups of the world, every tongue, tribe, and nation, Jesus' inheritance. He so loved them that he gave. He spoke. He came. He put on clothes. He became different so he could reach the community. He was without a body, and Jesus put on a body. He lived on a throne, and he went to a place where he had no place to lay his head. He loved the world so much. But then that other verse that trips me up is don't love the world or anything in the world. It's talking about the systems of the world and the desires of the world and the gods and the idols of this world. And so sometimes I get those crossed up, and I won't go love these people because they're part of these systems. And I think in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit enabled them to have an ability past what they could say to speak to people they normally couldn't speak to. And though Jesus prayed like this, I'm not asking you to take my disciples out of the world, but that you'd save them from the world. The Bible says, be in the world, but not of the world. Love the people of the world, but not the things and the systems of the world. Is it making any sense? Well, I can't do it. Except that the Holy Spirit's been poured out. And he comes into me and he lives in me and into you and he changes how we're able to communicate and see people. And though they might have been from Persia or they might have been an Arab and they would have never spoken to them before, now they're speaking in a way that they can understand. Are you connected to your community? Are we connected to our community? Are we enabled by the Holy Spirit to speak to someone that needs to hear about Christ? Fifteen different cultures in this list. And it's interesting 
the Holy Spirit didn't enable, let's just pick a disciple. Who's your favorite disciple? There are 12, John, there are 12 disciples. Jesus called them, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James' brother, John. Can't remember the other ones. Peter, um, John. John began to speak in a language that wasn't his, but he didn't begin to speak in 15 languages. So 3,000 people or more heard a language of their own, but it came through this guy to talk to John, and this guy Peter talked to, and that family Andrew talked to. And 120 people were able to speak to 15 different people groups. What's your point, Matt? My point is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we're connected with God, and that what God is doing is on the inside of us, and that it comes out of the outside of us. Some of you feel like, well, I'm not the one who's supposed to go talk to that person. I'm going to tell you, you're the only one who can talk to that person. Because you've been filled with the Spirit of God. And the thing that the enemy is trying to tell you disqualifies you is what actually qualifies you. You don't know how I grew up in Lockhart, Matt. You don't know the drugs I did, the things I did, the places I've come from. But you're not that person anymore. The Holy Spirit's come into your life. Someone spoke to you. The Holy Spirit made you understand it. You've been changed. And now the enemy goes, how can you even go to church with the stuff you used to do? And he's saying that because you're the Lord's anointed and filled person who can talk to some people that came up a little bit like you. And you know exactly how to talk to that person. I was talking to the guy that deals with a lot of kids from the streets, I'm going to say. I think everybody lives on a street, but evidently some of them are from the street. I don't know. And I was listening to his story of how he ministers and reached out to his kids. I thought, man, if I was in that place, I would not be effective. I'd be taken advantage of. I would have given all my money away. I would not know what to do. I wouldn't know when to say, hey, man, stop. Or when to say, hey, come on. Or get out of here with that. Or hey, don't talk to me. It was all this stuff. And then I thought, man, thank God for this guy working with these kids from the street. He knows how to speak their language. Some of you feel brokenhearted. You've suffered great loss in your life. You don't want to go another step forward. You're wondering where the strength is going to come from. Well, it's going to come from the Holy Spirit. And as you have been comforted by God, you're going to be able to comfort others. You're going to be able to speak the language of the brokenhearted. My heart might not have broken in that way. I might just be irrelevant. I might give up the wrong Bible verse and make them feel worse. But you're qualified. You don't have to know how to speak to everybody, but you're speaking to somebody. God's going to enable you by the Holy Spirit. You're the people in the room that the Holy Spirit feels and speaks through. God doesn't have another plan. It's us. They looked at him and said, these guys are from Galilee. How are they talking like us? Because God's doing it. That's just Matt from Lockhart High School, 19. Do I tell him or not tell him? Class of 156. I won't tell you what number I was in that number of 156. Or how many we were when we started the freshman. But you're just mad. Who are you going to talk to? The devil tries to tell me. You can't even speak correct English. Your Spanish is better than your English sometimes. You can't remember the word chalupa at the Taco Bell drive-in. And that's in English and Spanish, the same word. Who are you going to help? And the Lord says, I've anointed you to preach the good news. Sight for the blind. Healing for the broken. The day of the Lord. Fifteen different cultures heard their the good news of God in their language. And I don't know how many cultures live in Lockhart, but there's a lot of us in here and online listening, and you have a voice filled with the Holy Spirit that's going to speak to somebody. I could talk to them until my head turned blue, until, until we ran out of time. What does they say? 
Talk to them till the cows come home. Thank you. See why I don't need to be talking to everybody? But you're going to say something to them, and it's not going to be you. It's going to be the Holy Spirit, and they're going to hear the good things of God, and they're going to come into God's kingdom. We want to be connected to our community, not apart from it. We want to be engaging it. We want to be connected and filled with the Holy Spirit. I've become all things to all people that I might save some, Paul said. Number two, what about our church? It said everyone that was present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages. They begin speaking. What's our message? What's our mission? Well, the first and second commandment are our message. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said. The great commandment is our message. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all I've commanded you. I'm with you until the end of the age. Those two verses give us five parts of our message, that we worship, that we minister, that we evangelize, that we fellowship, and that we disciple people. We have a mission statement that wraps that all up in a shorter sentence, impacting our community and beyond by living a Christ-centered life. Our church has a message for the community, and it's that Jesus loves them, and it's going to be shown as we speak and as we worship, and as we do ministry, and as we do evangelism, as we do fellowship, as we do discipleship. It says in Acts 2, everyone present was full of the Holy Spirit, and they begin speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Another verse says, as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Okay, so just think of the picture. They're in the room, the Holy Spirit comes on them, comes in them, and now they have an ability they didn't have before. They're speaking another language. If you're a college student in a foreign language class, you just want to pray right now for the holy, not, not a good joke, no one's in college, not right now, Matt, it's summer break, okay. There was an ability as the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak. So I want to ask about us as a church. What's enabling our words? Look at what the Bible says. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. The words you speak come out of the heart, and that's what defiles you. In this verse, some people are saying, y'all aren't eating the right food, and you're not washing your hands the right way. And Jesus says, it's not what goes in you that makes you wrong. It's what comes out of your mouth that makes you wrong. And then in Luke, it says, a good person from the things in their heart produces good things, but an evil person produces evil things from the evil that's stored up in their heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were full of the Holy Spirit. Their heart was full of God, and out of their mouth came the things of God, the prophecies of God, the good news of God. But you and I, we need to be getting filled up. I'm going to tell you, you're getting filled up. It just depends on what. The Bible says it can be full of darkness. Be careful what your eyes see, because if your light is darkness, then how much is that darkness? Because it fills you up. So what's your point, Matt? Well, i got a lot of points. Just hang on. But what's enabling our words as people and as a church, as individuals and as a group? What's enabling our words? All right. Are y'all ready? Does anybody have good plans for lunch? Because I'm about to frustrate you a little bit. Okay. CJ said I can go on. They spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability, as he gave them utterance, as he enabled them. Their hearts were full of God, so God came out. Are y'all ready? 
All right, in five minutes, I'll make everybody mad. I have a goal. I don't always reach it, but here it goes. They spoke as CNN gave them the ability. I started neutral. No, CNN ain't neutral. What? They spoke as NSNBC gave them the ability. They spoke as Fox News gave them the ability. What's coming out of my mouth all the time? Is it the things of God or the things of the news cycle? Oh, you don't want us to come back to church anymore. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. With all your money. And I want you to be on the float Saturday. They spoke as their homeboys gave them the ability. They spoke as their colleagues gave them the ability. They spoke as their grandmother gave them the ability. Well, my mom always said, well, I hope it was a Bible verse that she always said. What's coming out of our mouth? We're full of something and it's going to come out. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We have to be careful what's going in because it's coming out. We have to be careful what we are meditating on and what we're dwelling on. I spoke as my self-esteem gave me the ability. I spoke as my education gave me the ability. I spoke as my family name gave me the ability. Or do I speak as the Holy Spirit gives me the, the ability? Oh, let it be that. Jesus always knew what to say, what not to say. What's enabling us to speak? What's filling up our hearts? What's flowing out of our mouths? It's impacting us and it's impacting the community. Oh God, empty me of all of the mess and fill me with your message. What are we speaking? The disciples were able to speak because the Spirit was on them, it was in them, and they were able to speak to those around them in a way they could understand, in a way they knew it was God and not just the disciples. Acts 2.11 says, We all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. So they were speaking by the power of God about the things of God. So I want to mess with you a little bit more. I have a couple minutes in my five minutes to make you mad. Am I speaking about the wonderful things God has done? Or are my words full of hope or hopelessness? Are my words full of joy or sorrow? Are my words full of peace or conflict? Well, you know, it's just going to get worse from here. Well, you know, man. If they don't elect so-and-so, you know, if they keep raising the price, if they keep this and this, oh, there's no hope. Oh, I'm moving. Am I full of kindness or criticism? Oh, don't you love that, those people? So aware of your flaws. Like, I'm so glad you pointed that out. I hadn't been thinking about that for the last 25 years. Are my words full of patience or frustration? Are they full of encouragement or discouragement? They were enabled by the Holy Spirit to speak about the good things God had done. And I'm convicted on this point. I get asked by you, how are you doing? And I want you to know how hard it is, but I also want to be kind of pastoral. So I want to go, oh, God's working it. God's working it out. We're good. Oh, but, you know, I got this going on and this going on. My flesh wants you to kind of feel a little bit sorry for me, to think I'm doing a great job because of all I'm handling, to think, man, how can Matt be carrying and walking through all that? I might look good on the outside and really good because my outside is getting gooder. And then I want you to know it's not all easy. I'm just making it look good. And so I might criticize or fuss or kind of complain in a Christian kind of way, like, oh, praise the Lord, he's working it out. But man, we've got trials on every side. Luchas y guerras. Are my words enabled by God or something else? And are my words the good things of God or something else? 
I want to encourage our church. Let's be the good things of God kind of people speaking about from the power of God. Then last, I'll just say we got a great example, and it's our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people will get it right sometimes. Peter said, you're the son of God, the Messiah. He goes, you're speaking like heaven. And then he turns around, he goes, you're never going to die. Don't be talking about dying. Quit talking about Jerusalem. Go to die. He goes, you're speaking like hell. You were talking from the Lord, and now you're talking from the devil. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus said. Hey, people aren't going to get it right all the time. Let's be patient. But all we want to be striving for speaking. Let's be like our Lord. He was always speaking. He said, I only speak what I see the Father speaking. In, uh, I got a verse right here, John 12. He said, I don't speak on my own authority. I speak from the Father who's commanded me to say and what to say and how to say it. Look at Jesus, the Son of God, and he doesn't speak unless God says, and he says it the way God says. Have you ever said this? Hey, tell your brother sorry. Sorry. <laughs> God told Jesus how to say it and what to say and how to say it. You can say the right thing the wrong way. Jesus never did. We want to follow his example. James 3 says you can tame wild animals. You can tame a ship. You can steer a ship by a little rudder, but no one can tame their tongue. He said it shouldn't be like this, that blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. You bless God and then you curse his kids. And so I want us to follow the example of the Lord. Filled with the Spirit, Jesus would walk into a community and he would bless them. The disciples would be like, can we call down fire? And he goes, how about mercy? Jesus would go into the community and speak. He would go across the lake to find the guy who was chained up in chains because nobody could deal with him so that he could bring the good news of God. He would go into that community with the good news of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he would make a difference. I would just drive my boat somewhere else. I don't want to go to that community. Ooh, I felt something right there. Jesus would go the different way. No one's walking this way, but Jesus is going that way because there's a lady who's been kicked out of her own community sitting by a well. And he's going to go talk to her, full of the Holy Spirit, speaking the good news of God. He's going to find her even though her community has outcast her. He'll walk where no one's walked, drive his boat where no one's driving his boat. And then he'll just wait too. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to wait for you while I get out of that tree. I'm going to go to your house. I want to talk to you. And you know how good Jesus is? He didn't put Zacchaeus' dirt all through the Bible. Let me tell you everything wrong Zacchaeus did. No, he had a private conversation with Zacchaeus. Some things we need to speak like Jesus in private. So I want to ask you today, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Are you full of something else? Are you connected to your community or trying to get away from it? How should we respond to what we see happen in Acts where they are full of God and they engage the people that are lost and the people that are lost come to know Christ? Well, not all of them. Y'all heard the last verse Rudy read? Some of the people said, what? This is amazing. What should we do? How should we respond to the good news? And the other one's like, oh, man, they're just drunk and out of their mind. You're going to have the same issue. Some people are going to respond. Some people are going to think you're crazy. Speak anyway. Engage your community anyway. So I want to ask you, as I ask the worship team to come forward, we're going to pray and respond, and then we're going to end the service with communion together. How should you respond today? 
Is there something else inside of us that we need to confess and repent of? Do we have clean lips? Do we need new words? You remember when Isaiah was in front of the Lord? He said, I can't even talk. I come from a people of unclean lips, and I got unclean lips. And what did the Lord do? An angel came and with fire and a coal cleansed his mouth. And the fire of the Holy Spirit came into the disciples, and it gave them words to speak. Listen, your mouth is a mess, but God can do something with it with his fire. He can purify it. Do you need to confess some things to the Lord that you've been saying or to some people? Do you need to ask God for forgiveness or others? Is there something else that impacts you from this scripture that you say, I need to respond? The people heard the good news of God and said, what should we do about it? And others said, nothing, man. It's a bunch of nonsense. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing through one verse of this song. If you need something different inside of you, you're invited to come forward or pray where you are and ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Like, Lord, it's just garbage. just keeps coming out of me. Ask the Lord to fill you up. If you need to ask God forgiveness for some ideas and thoughts and sparks of your speech, then do that. If you want to ask the Lord, Lord, I'm just one person, but I'd like to talk the right way in my office. I'd like to reach that person. Then I encourage you to do that. Whatever it is, respond to the Lord today. Then I'll come back up and lead us through communion and we'll be dismissed. Don't wait. If you need prayer, come forward, but respond to the Lord today. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us new words, new abilities in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.